Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Manic Manor podcast. This is Mitchie. I hope you guys have been having a pretty good week, haven't had anything too stressful going on, just making sure that you keep in check with your mental health so you don't burn out. Um, So for tonight's episode, let's get right into it. We're going to be talking about someone who is sometimes referred to as the first serial killer in South Korean history. However, that can be wildly debated, depending on who you talk to and how far back into history you do want to go. This is um, about Kim Dae-do. If you want to learn more about you know Korean history and Korean folklore, definitely give the Dark Side of Soul podcast a check out. I've learned quite a bit of stuff um, through Sean and Joe. They do an excellent job of telling everybody the history and breaking it down to a point where it's not so overwhelming and so chaotic because sometimes when you're learning history, I know it can be really hard to remember who's who and what went down where, but they make it very fun and very entertaining. So definitely go give them a check out uh, after this episode. Anyway, let's get into it. So, Kim Dae-do was born on October 11th, 1949, in Yeolam County in the South Jola province of South Korea. Uh, around this time, you know, this is when Sigmund Rhee was president of South Korea, and this was like right before the Korean War had broken out. So you gotta keep in mind that this was before South Korea had been completely modernized. It's not the Korea that everybody knows today, that everybody likes to learn about where you've got the K-drama, K-pop, the Korean um, media and movies. Completely different time frame. It was extremely tough. It was hard. Um, There was a lot of poverty. Um, And he was the uh, eldest of three sons, four daughters, so he was the oldest. So it was definitely quite hard for his family during this time frame when he was growing up. And because of him being the eldest son of the family, there were like major expectations that his mother and father had of him. They didn't really want him to be struggling on the farm like they were growing up. They wanted him to go get a good education, to go study abroad, to make something of himself. Uh, They wanted him to go to one of the top middle schools that was in the big city at that time. But the studies and statistics and all sorts of information and research showed that he was not the brightest of students. Uh, He flunked entrance exams, any kind of exams really. And didn't really have uh, any special outstanding extracurricular skills so that made it very hard for him to find even like odd jobs here and there made it very difficult for him to get a high-paying job and so this put a lot of insecurities on him and he had issues trying to come to terms with this and had a lot of inferiority things going on inside of him during his childhood and adolescence, well into his young adult life. And as a result of this, not everybody necessarily does this when they're giving a short stick in life, but Kim did the violence. Um, 
most of it had to do with the fact that he felt like society was unfair to him. He felt like he had been given a low blow. Um, he felt like his upbringing was not fair. And it even went as far as from inward to outward. Like, he was this skinny guy, 160 centimeters tall, which is roughly around my height, if I remember correctly. Probably about 5'3", five, 5'4". Five, which, not that tall for any kind of guy, and that would definitely make him feel very insecure about himself, and he just took it out by being angry at the world. So, as he did grow up, uh, he did manage to get a factory job, um, but it didn't stop him from having all this anger. He would commit little petty crimes, stealing stuff, commit assaults. Um, as a result of this, he did end up going to jail. I don't know where it was the first part of his incarceration, but he was sentenced to jail for some time. And upon his release, it was like a dark cloud just surrounded him. It was like he felt like he was constantly being labeled as this convict. He couldn't get ahead in life because of this reputation. And it... It was just a massive, like, festering, sore brewing of resentment that was growing on him. And from that time when he got out, he decided that he was going to seek revenge on a society that had wronged him. And this is where we're getting into his true heinous crimes. Um... He began doing a series of break-ins, and these break-ins did lead to unfortunate murders. And he had no, like, special type of victim in mind. It was literally, if he saw them, he would kill them. And that that's such a dangerous thing, because there was no true... There was no true method to the madness that he had. So, all of this starts the evening of August 13th, 1975. He broke in to the home of an elderly couple that lived in the Guangzhou. Um, he was going to try to look for some valuables, just trying to rob them. However, that couple was home and either he freaked or he just decided that he was just going to be a straight-up asshole. But he attacked this elderly couple and made his way from the house. In the result, he had seriously injured the wife, um, but the husband did not survive. The husband was murdered, and this made his first victim. And that victim was 63-year-old An Jung-yun. And as he made that escape from the first location, he happened to cross the path with a former ex-convict that he had been in prison with. And they made this plan to start up another attack. So he is premeditating things at this point. He's wanting to exact his revenge. And it's not even within a week that they're back at it again. They barge into a shop in Muan County in South Jola Province. Forgive me if I mispronounced that. Um, they decided that they were going to try to rob 
there, and in that process, they attack and mercilessly, pardon me, murder another elderly couple and their seven-year-old grandson. And after this attack, it's not known if they made out with any valuables whatsoever or if they simply just showed up because they wanted to just satisfy a bloodlust. But after that attack, um, they planned to go rob another house that they thought had money in it. However, for some reason, that plan did not go through. So the only time that Gim had an accomplice was this one murder where he had attacked the elderly couple and the grandson. So after that, he went on to do his spree alone. So there is a little bit of a time gap between here. We're going from mid-August to the start of September. September 7th, 1975, he continued his break-in spree. Uh, Once again, another elderly person, 60-year-old Che Jung-young, murdered the owner of that home. It's unclear whether or not he took anything from there. Um, Then September 25th, he was traveling to a remote countryside near Pyeongtaek and broke into the home of yet another elderly woman. And she had three young grandchildren that lived there. And this one is a bit more graphic, so if you do want to skip ahead a little bit, you've got the warning right here. It was very hard for me to read this and jot this down in my notes, but he attacked this poor family. He took a meat cleaver and attacked the grandmother, two of the grandsons. And with the remaining granddaughter, he did attempt to sexually assault her, but he was unable to do so. So he took her out and bound her to a tree with a furoshiki, um, like some some type of cloth, covered her head. And that led to her suffocating. And I'm not going to say the names of the children out of respect, but um, the grandmother, she was 70 years old, and... The children, the oldest was 11, the youngest being 5. And he went on his way. So by September 27th, he was in Goody. Uh, He started to attack yet another family. He broke into the home of a younger couple this time and proceeded to murder them as well as their young child. And in the process of doing this and escaping, he had wounded two others, but they weren't able to identify him as he made his getaway. So, after that, he had escaped. And within three days, he reached what I would consider the peak of his atrocity. This is another trigger warning because it does involve an infant. So please skip ahead if you don't want to hear this. It's very hard and very brutal. Um, But here we go. There was a young 28-year-old mother. Uh, He broke into the home, viciously assaulted the mother, and killed her. 
And then, of course, there is a young infant crying in the next room. Just a three-month-old baby. He spared no mercy. And the records show that he had beat this innocent little baby to death. And it'll show, you know, when he is captured later, he had no demographic whatsoever on his victims. He had no preference. He hated everyone especially crying children. And that is the most horrifying thing when you sit there and think about it. How somebody can look at a crying child and even though a lot of people naturally might get a little agitated or something by that, he just straight up felt hatred and wanted to hurt them. But anyway, we're moving on with the story. So, still fresh off of this, this human piece of excrement, um, proceeded to attack a couple in Suwon uh, on October 2nd, 1975. And as he attacked them, he did end up murdering them as well. And while he was still in Suwon, he tried to attack a uh, golf course caddy. However, he did not murder that caddy. The caddy did end up surviving this attack. And he must have gotten a really good look at Kim. Because Kim was... He was terrified and decided he was going to have to flee Suwon and go straight up to Seoul to avoid being captured. And this is what leads to his downfall. So he makes it up to Seoul. Um... He happens to try to enlist the help of another fellow ex-con on October 7th, 1975. Um, however, this ex-con decided that he was not going to help Dedu. He was going to just steal the shit that Dedu gave him and try to make off with it. Well, Kim did not like that. Um, Kim Dedu did not like that one bit. He managed to track him down and brutally kill him. And in this process, I don't know what kind of shit that he had been smoking or doing or whatever that day, but he decided that he was going to take the genes off of this convict and they were completely soaked in blood. And... But for some reason, he just decided he wanted to take these bloody jeans. And then the very next day, October 8th, decides that he is going to walk into a laundromat with these jeans of his murdered victim to have them washed. Um, this uh, laundromat was in Jongnandong in Seoul. Um, and of course, the laundromat owner is looking at these jeans and is like, dude, what the hell, um, what happened here, buddy? And he tries to blow it off, like, oh, no big deal, I had a fight with my friend, we, uh, got into a little scuffle, he busted my nose, I got a nosebleed, yeah, no big And, of course, you know, the laundromat owner is not having any of that shit, he's like, um, okay, yeah, nosebleed, sure, um, but it's a little bit of an excessive amount of blood, and it's, like, all over these jeans, um, yeah, okay, nosebleed, yeah, we'll get them cleaned up, no problem. So, Kim walks out, 
Uh, and immediately after he leaves, the owner contacts the police and is like, Hey, I've got some sketchy shit here. You guys might want to come and take a look at it. And that's exactly what they did. They check this out. They see that this is um, clearly, not, clearly not right. Um, so they decide that they are going to wait on Kim Dae-do to return to pick up these jeans. And he did. He returned the very next day to pick up those jeans. And he was just walking in there like there was nothing wrong. Like he had not committed some of the most atrocious murders ever. But the police were able to intercept him. And from there, everything crumbled. Uh, he was telling these cops a story, a completely different story from the nosebleed story that he had told the laundromat owner cops weren't having any of that so they take him in and at this time he was about 26 years old they take him in for questioning um definitely could not keep his story straight um instead of the i fought a friend he busted my nose and therefore it gushed out blood all over this. Now he's trying to say that he was beaten up by local thugs in the area. And the police did something quite shocking to me that I've not really seen happen a lot in history. They decided, alright, bet, we're gonna go interview these thugs. So, they go, they interview them, they're like, oh, hey, by the way, do you remember this guy, yada yada yada, on this day? Those thugs were like, nope, we do not know him. We don't know him one bit. So they come back and they're like, uh-huh, you're done. They start doubling down on him and try to find out what the real reason was behind the blood stains. And after a while, he finally cracked and sang like a canary, started confessing to all of the crimes that he had done. And this is a big-ass shocker to the authorities in Seoul. Uh, within two days, they order him to do a site inspection to show these authorities what he did at these murder scenes. And although it's not proven or verified or anything, a lot of people widely believe and say that he was very arrogant and cocky at these scenes. He was laughing mockingly and, like, smacking on gum. And... While they were checking out these scenes that he had committed these crimes in, there was a similar target area that he was going at. Um, he was targeting his fellow impoverished people, and he was said to have done that because the police were focusing on robberies more so in the upper like the upper middle class to the higher class break-ins than they would the lower class. In all of this, he was doing because he felt like he had an unfair life and he wanted to go further ahead in life and live better. But in total, he didn't really get any kind of financial boom from his robberies or anything. It was said he only made about 20681 in total from every single place that he had burglarized. And of course, he got caught, and he got caught pretty quick. Um, 
with his arrest, they decided that they were going to do his trial super quick. And they managed to round up the accomplice from, you know, the previous murder that had, had been mentioned with the grandparents and the grandson. And from time to arrest to initial hearing and to giving the sentence, he got his death sentence on October 17th, 1975. So we're looking at not even like two weeks from arrest, trial, conviction. And in his response, Kim was pretty arrogant still, saying he wasn't surprised that he was given the death sentence. However, he was very shocked that his accomplice was as well given the death sentence. But of course, you know, after the initial trial, um, they did reduce the accomplice's sentence to life imprisonment, and the judge's reflection on that was saying that Kim had coerced him, and this was a one-time action, so he shouldn't be sentenced to death for that. But Kim was still given the death sentence, and he was sitting there on death row. Um, while he was waiting for his execution, like most convicts that are caught, or serial killers or anything like that, that get caught in these terrible crimes, they are said to turn to God. He converted to Christianity while he was in prison and stated openly how he repented for his actions and was attending church to make it right. But even with all of the actions of claiming to find religion, uh, making scenes to act like he was so sorry, it did not stop his execution day from coming. And on December 28, 1976, Kim dae was led to the noose at Sodemun prison and was hung for his crime. Now, after his death, uh, his will was distributed, and in this will, um, he had a request, let me pull it up here, he had requested to the justice system that they segregate small-time offenders from major dangerous reoffenders like himself so that these first-time offenders would not be as likely to um, recommit crimes or commit heinous crimes. And that was kind of met with a little bit of controversy at the time, but that is the story of Kim Dae-do and how he terrorized South Korea for a period of months. And as quickly as his murderous spree happened, he was just as quickly executed. So I want to thank you guys for listening to this story. Um, you know, it was mentioned here that Kim Dae-do did do some crimes in Suwon. And just giving a little heads up that we will be recording a new episode to come out right after this one. Probably in the next day or two. And it's covering the Suwon murder of 2012 that was recommended to me. So stay tuned for that. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you have any episodes or anything that you would like for me to cover on this podcast, 
feel free to reach out to me at manicmanorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Manic Manor Podcast, and on Instagram at Manic Manor Podcast. And also, like I mentioned before at the start of the show, definitely give out a definitely give a look at the Dark Side of Soul podcast. You definitely will not regret it. So until then, we'll see you next time.